This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Hello, everyone. It's Nigel Seeley here for Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, the number one tennis betting podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sports book. Uh, we're on the Asian swing, and I'm delighted to say joining me uh, to discuss the matches for Friday. This is Thursday, kind of a strange time, but because of the Asians, tournament starting on Tuesday over in Asia, it's a different sort of format here. And I'd like to say joining me is our senior ATP Tour handicapper, Sean Calvert. Now, Sean, before we go into tomorrow's action, um, mm-hmm. we didn't have a great first round did we uh wasn't a good three picks not really good but very close bergs went to the th- uh, final set Vukic went to the final set um do you think that's more to do with a bit of bad luck or do you think it's th- the conditions that we thought potentially would be the way they are may not be nece- necessarily how we thought they would go i'd take all those three bets again to be honest with you i, I don't think they were bad plays at all i think that there was definite value on Vukic at that price he just couldn't keep his his best level up he, he took the first set he just couldn't keep his level up for the next two sets uh, possibly a bit of fatigue, you know, setting in there. He's probably played quite a bit this summer. Um, Bergs we were unlucky with as well. He got mm-hmm. injured. Uh, I don't know whether you saw the match. I bet him. I bet him. I watched him. I thought we, the after, last... sec, after set two, we went very heavy favourite. And, and I thought, well, we, we're going to win this. It was minus 110, I think, at one stage. Yeah, and he, he couldn't he couldn't hit a backhand, could he? If you noticed in that last set, in the set and a half, he, he hit every backhand he hit was a slice backhand. He doesn't normally do that. Obviously, he does hit the slice occasionally, but normally he's got a double-hander there, which he would hit. And Lajevic took full advantage of that because these, these courts are, are quite bouncy. Um, I think it's Chengdu, isn't it, that they were playing at? Yeah. Um, so he was using the kick serve, which, you know, Lajevic has got a good kick serve, slight altitude. He was able to do that because there was nothing else that Bergs could do because he couldn't. He obviously got some sort of wrist or arm injury. I don't know. We'll probably find out in the next few days, but... If you've only got a, a, a slice backhand and Leibich is just going to play on that all day long, that was so that's a lucky as well. The, the other one, um, I, again, I would have that bet again. It was because conditions, as we'll talk about in a minute, are, are quicker in Zhuhai this year than they were before. I would certainly be happy to take the price that I took on a set one tie break between Harris and Vesely. Um, there wasn't a sniff of a break point for about seven games. Then Vesely put in a bad one, and that's it, game over. So. I don't think any. I don't think any of those were were poor bets. Occasionally, I do have a poor bet, and I'll say, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have put that one up. But I, I think those were all perfectly fine bets that just didn't come off. I think the reason I mentioned at the beginning of the show there was just purely because we haven't been over to this part of the world for a few years now, mm-hmm. and and what we thought the conditions in two thousand and nineteen may be a little bit different. We were a bit uncertain about the the court speed. We we're a little bit uncertain about the conditions. So I just wanted to just sort of. What you've you've you answered my question there. You know, you you said you'll do exactly the same bet. I wondered if we may have got a different read on the conditions, or the the read we've got is wrong, and the just results never went for us. Yeah, as, as, as I said, I think they're all good value plays. Um, at least two of them went pretty much odds on uh, in play, but didn't come in. But you know, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. But as far as the conditions are concerned, you want me to talk about Zhuhai first. Yeah, there's, we're going to come on to Zhuhai first, and we come on to uh, Zhang Du uh, Zhang Du in a minute. So just yeah, just go through them. Yeah, it does look quicker. Um, 
certainly quicker than 2019. I mentioned in the show the other day, it was super slow in 2019 in um, Zhuhai. It looks a lot quicker. I haven't had the data through yet because they've only played a few few first round. Well, they played the first round, but the data from that hasn't come through yet. I'll get probably get that tomorrow. But to me, it looks quicker. Um, that centre court in Zhuhai, it's, it's always looked like an indoor court. If if people are just casually watching this, they will probably think they're playing indoors because it does have that sort of feel to it. There's just a, it's very enclosed. There's just like a, a top bit where the roof is that they open, which makes it outdoors. But there's very little wind in there, uh, hardly a breath of wind. Andy Murray said he was really struggling to breathe because it is super humid, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. That the weather conditions there, um, so very little wind should favour the attacking player. Looks quicker to me, certainly. Um, than it did in 2019. Looks like you can hit winners on it this time, which you you really couldn't in 2019. Um, happy for my outright pick, Nishioka, that it is quicker. He would certainly prefer it quicker. That was my one concern about Nishioka was that if it's as slow as it was before, that would be a worry, but seems to me to be a lot quicker. But the, the big problem that the players are having is um, is is the conditions. You know, it, it, just the humidity, the, the real feel, um, which is what the weather guys put up for to include the humidity as well, is tomorrow by the way is going to be 100 fahrenheit 37 38 c um so that's that's incredibly hot we've already seen players struggling with it we saw diego schwartzman retire um today presumably that was heat related etcheverry was, was quite unwell as well he was he was doing something peculiar with a bin at one stage he was i don't know whether he was trying to be sick or trying to get something up or something it was the most peculiar spectacle um he had to have some pills and stuff Play has been stopped quite regularly, actually, because the players, they're just sweating so much that the court is getting wet and they're having to stop and, and change all their clothes. That's happened numerous times. Um, happened today with Luke Savile and Andy Murray. They're, they're having to change their shoes. Um, they're just dripping in sweat because it's so ridiculously humid. And that is obviously going to be a big a big factor as the week goes on. It's going to be a huge factor. There's only 16 players through to round two. Nishiokai, our pick, the number eight seed, is in action first up. We're going to talk about his match straight away. But um, with the conditions, you know, you look at some of these players here, I, I, you know, the hot conditions. I wouldn't fancy Andy Murray, his age in, in the hot conditions. I, I probably wouldn't fancy Sebastian Corder, given his fitness problems. Um, there's a lot of players at the top end of the market that you could actually put question marks through to potentially put a line through, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I went for Nishioka because he always he's always really motivated this time of year. He's shown it many, many times. And, I, you know, just looking at the draw here, I, we're guessing a bit, obviously, but there are some that you could think, well, these guys had a long week in Davis week. They've had a day in Davis, in Davis Cup, and they've had to travel over here um, to China, which which obviously is a long journey. It, it's, this is a 250, you know, it's not it's yeah. not the most exciting of events for someone like, you know, an Andy Murray, you know, some of the top seeds. Some of these are here just to, just to get acclimatized to the Asian swing. That's, that's how it always is. They're not necessarily going to go all out to win this tournament, but yeah, you're right. There's, there's motivation is a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. Huge question marks about people. Kachanov as well. Kachanov, Korda, Murray, a top three in the betting. I've, I've Big question marks about those. Uh, you said um, when we spoke on Tuesday that uh, this these tournaments had a big record of underdog wins. Is that sort of sustained over the opening round here? Is it, have we got a fair share of underdogs, or has that sort of gone back towards the favourites over the over round one? Yeah, it was. There wasn't much in Chengdu. Certainly not much that we could have 
could have done because the qualifiers hadn't been placed in the draw at the time we we did the show. There's a couple of qualifiers that did um, win in Chengdu, but it's certainly not it's certainly not been up to the sort of 48% mark yet um, that it has been in previous years. So the answer, the quick answer to that is no, not yet. Um, and if there aren't too many underdog winners, then I'm I'm going to be struggling, and that that's that's obviously the case at the minute. Well, it's only round one. Uh, we're into round two now. We've got more. Uh, content coming tomorrow as well. We've got a podcast tomorrow, so we'll be looking at round three as well, quarterfinals. So don't worry too much about that. It's uh, been a bit of a disappointing start, but if you're playing in play, and a lot of people do play in play, you had a great opportunity and a good bet. You're betting someone at plus 160, trades plus minus 110, just doesn't win the big points. You know, it's nothing, you know, we, we're on the right side all the time here. So not really too much to worry about from my point of view. Anyway, we're going to Zhuhai now. We've got three matches. The first match we're going to talk about is your pick, uh, Nishiokai, number eight seed. I think it's Lloyd Harris. Now, Nishiokai is an Asian player playing in Asia. You mentioned the, the hot, humid conditions, and he's up against Lloyd Harris here. Now, Lloyd Harris is way, way, way below him in the rankings. I know he's a big server, and the conditions may, may suit him as well, but I don't see any reason why he should be a minus 150 favorite, Nishiokai, at plus 120. Perhaps the only reason is, is because of the head to head is 2 0 in favor of Harris. They went in 2022 in Miami. Harris won in a very close match, 7-6-4-6-7-5, and he also won in Cincinnati in round one, 6-3-6-4, in rather quick-ish conditions. Uh, if you look at the spread, it's one and a half. Nishiokai receiving one and a half is minus 109. Lloyd Harris is still the favourite, giving up one and a half, minus 117. And the total here is 22 and a half. Now, I know we've got a position on Nishiokai, and I'm never, I, I don't really like betting somebody that we want to win the tournament unless there's an opportunity arises where it's huge value. And I'm looking at this price here and given the conditions, given what you're saying about the courts bit, the court and, and the way that, that the temperature is there. Um, I'm quite tempted by the show carry at plus 120. Yeah. I think if you're not on the outright, um, I, I don't see any reason to not back him in this particular match, uh, matchup. As I said, the head to, as you said, the head to head is two nil to Harris, but it doesn't tell, the whole story of the matchup, Nishioka had an injured wrist in their first meeting. So that's kind of put a line through that. Um, and in the second meeting, uh, Nishioka won more points overall in the match, faced only one break point in that match. Unfortunately, it was match point and he lost it. That's the only break, break point he faced in the entire match. He won, Nishioka won 15% more second serve points in that match. He won 4% more first serve points in that match. Six more points overall, but he lost. Because he lost it in in um, right at the death, you know, it, it was that would what we call a, an unfortunate loss. All the statistics were in his favour. One more points, just didn't get the the final point, which is what he needed. So I'm not I'm not too worried about the head to head. Um, you know, Nishioka. I am sometimes concerned about Nishioka because against the really big servers, he doesn't he doesn't really like it. This isn't an ideal matchup for him. But from Harris's point of view, he's going to have to serve fabulously well to, to beat Nish a motivated Nishioka. Um this is Nishioka playing in Asia. He's a he's a different animal to, to, to the Nishioka that's played in Cincinnati and Miami and these these other tournaments. This is his time of year. Um from Harris's point of view he served really, really well against Vesely um in a match that we had a set one overs. As I said, we we're unlucky with that because Harris won 92% of his first serve points and hit 19 aces in 12 service games. And Vesely in the first set was up at about 85% first serve points one. So really that should have gone to a tiebreak, but Vesely put in a bad one, um, which which was annoying for us. But it does tell me that this surface is is quicker. If you're winning 92% of your first serve points, 
this isn't a slow surface, is it? Um, so the surface to me looks like one that you can get your rewards with a big serve, big first strike. But I, I think Nishioka's got an, an excellent chance. As I say, the head-to-head is not it's not overwhelming at all. Um, I think Nishi will be the one that's willing to go the extra mile if it does get so physically demanding. Is Harris willing to go that far? Is he capable of going that far after all the injury problems that he's had? Um, Nishioka's certainly got a decent chance of winning this. I mean, as I said, I'm already on him, so I'm not going to go in again. But if you're not on him, I wouldn't put anybody off um, back in Nishioka. This is a very winnable match for him. So if you haven't taken our advice on betting Nishiokai at, I think it was 20 to 1, wasn't he? Each way to win the tournament? Yeah, 20 to 20, 1. 20 to 1 to win the tournament. We think that the plus 120 here is a little bit of value up against Lloyd Harris. Um, home conditions, swirling hot day. Nishioka will definitely be uh, be buoyed on by the crowd as well. The first time the tour has returned to China since 2019 and uh, an Asian player as well is going to get a huge amount of support. So plus 120 Nishioka. If you haven't taken the 20 to 1, we would suggest a little player. But if you have, let's just ride that 20 to 1 outright pick. Now, about 15, 20 minutes ago, our graphic man, John, sent me some um, graphics through. And it said, Jean Lennonstruff minus 136. He took it off of the Bet Rivers website. Uh, Christian Garin plus 110. I've just checked the Bet Rivers website 20 minutes later. There has been a huge move for Christian Garin. Uh, John Lennonstruff now is minus 114. And Christian Garin has gone from plus 110 to minus 108. That's a substantial move. For this Chilean, um, the spread here is two and a half. Uh, Garin plus two and a half is now a very, very heavy favourite, minus 182. Struff giving up two and a half is plus 138. And the total here is 22 and a half. Now, the total does interest me a little bit because the last time they met was in 2019 in the Davis Cup and the match ended 6-7, 7-6, 7-6. The maximum, 39 games. And when you consider that you say it's going to be quite a fast court, 22 and a half over minus 118, I quite like that little wager. Yeah, I wouldn't put anybody off that. Um, th- this is news to me that you've you've talked about this market move for for Garin. Um, this could be people having seen Struff, maybe have an injury or something like that because he is he is rusty Struff. He's only played UTS tennis, the exhibition event at home in Frankfurt last week. That's the only tennis he's played since getting a hip injury back in June. So he's understandably likely to be rusty. Um, as you said, Garin won their only prior encounter, as you said, three tie breaks. Um, I saw Garin today. I mean, I, he wasn't great, Garin. I mean, he played against, I think it was the world number 903 today. Uh, struggled, lost the first set. He was okay after that. Um, the Garin forehand, it, it's not it's not looking dependable these days. There's, there's a lot of errors coming from that side from Christian Garin when he's been under pressure in recent times, sort of this season, really. Took a look at their records um, in Asia. Garin, it's three wins, four losses on the Asian swing. But he has played um, a lot of very good players. The average rank of opposition in those matches is number 38. And he was the betting underdog in all bar one of those seven matches. So he's not had the best of draws so far in the Asian swing. So you can't say that, you know, he hasn't he doesn't perform well this time of year. He's had some very, very tough matches. Struff's got a very, very similar record on the Asian swing. Four, six, win, loss. But he was betting underdog in eight of those 10 matches. So they've both had tricky draws in almost all their matches that they've played on the Asian swing. And another interesting stat for Struff in this leg of the tour, all bar one of the nine completed matches he's played on this Asian swing have gone over 22 and a half games, which brings in what you were saying. And six of the last seven have featured a tiebreak. 
Mm. So with all that in mind, um, what I've got written down here is is my lean is over 10 and a half games. I haven't seen the price for that. It should be around about the sort of two to one mark. I'm, I'm sure you can probably tell me roughly what that would be, set one overs. But that over 10 and a half games is plus 210. So bigger than two and a half, uh, bigger than two to one, sorry. Okay. So yeah, my estimate was almost right, just slightly, slightly uh, less there. But yeah, that, that's what I would probably go for because, as I say, Struff's rusty. Um, Garen didn't look great today, but I think they will have that that advantage of having that one match. Struff really is like a match practice, so um, that would be my lean in that one. I'm not going to have a bet in it, but um, set one over ten and a half games, that looks decent value. Similar bet to what you've mentioned. Yeah, I think the games angle is definitely the way to go. If you want to play the total games, you, you do so. If you want to play the, the first set, whichever way you want to do it. Remember, these matches are very early. Um, tomorrow, 1 a.m. Eastern time. So this is this very, very early match. Nishiokai against Harris kicks off proceedings. And then Gary Struff follows around about 2.30 a.m. on Friday. So these are early, early starts. Uh, there's 28 different markets on both of those matches. Sean has picked the prop there. You can click on the, the link on the Bet Rivers website. It takes you all the different props and you'll see more markets on an ATB Tour 250 than you will find in any other sports book across America. So Christian Gary and Leonard Struff, we are looking at games. Uh, the next match we're going to talk about, again, a little bit of movement in the price. Well, not so much as the Struff v. Gary match, but there is a slight movement from what we got given earlier. Uh, we got given Kachanov at minus 385. He's now minus 345. There has been a little bit of money for Alex Bolt, who was plus 290, who's now plus 265. Bolt has come through qualifying here. He beat Diego Schwartzman, who, as you said, had to retire. And Kachanov hasn't played since the US Open um, prior to that. I didn't play since the quarterfinal of the French Open. So he's very, very rusty. Uh, we don't know what to expect from Kachanov. He's one of the market leaders to win the tournament. He's the number one seed. Uh, don't let the, the the ranking of Alex Bolt in the 300s put you off. He's a, he's a capable opponent here. And Kachanov here is not seeing the money. The money is coming for the Australian. Mm, I mean, this one, as you alluded to there, is is really all about how prepared Karen Kashanov is for this match. He certainly wasn't prepared fully for the US Open, which was his comeback match. He's had, a, I think it's a stress fracture in the in the back that he's actually had. So quite a, quite a nasty injury. He's been out for some considerable time, Kashanov. Um, I think it was, I thought it was interesting what he said after that US Open comeback loss to Michael Moe. He said, and I quote, I know I'm not even close to my best physical shape and game right now, which I had prior to the injury. And it will take some time for me to get back there. And that was on September the 4th. So two and a half weeks ago, he's he's saying, I'm not even close to my best shape. And it's going to take me some time to get back into the swing of things. And only two and a half weeks ago. Is he better prepared now? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, and that that's what this one's all about, really. We We don't know. We are guessing on, on Kashanov's fitness and you know at these prices there'll be people that are prepared to, to guess that he's still not prepared he does have a very good record against left-handers Karen Kashanov due to the, mainly the fact that he's got a really solid backhand uh, he's won 13 of his last 17 matches at main level on all hard courts against left-handers so no real weakness there at all against lefties but for me Bolts you know he's going to be buzzing for this really lots of Australians have gone well so far in Zhuhai I think all the four qualifiers that came through were all Australians um, so there's a real camaraderie thing going on there. And he's he's finally, he says he's finally feeling better now because he's had an awful lot of injury problems as well in the last sort of year or so. Bolt, he's, he's very rarely been fit. It's really been a kind of long struggle for him. That's why his ranking's down as low as it is. He's better than that. 
Um, took a look at, look at his record against top 20 opponents. He's he's nil and six, but he's given them a good match most of the time. Took Dominic Team to five sets at the Australian Open when Team was, you know, really at his best. Almost beat Stan Wawrinka at the 250, also in Melbourne on home home uh, soil for him. And he's played a tie-break in all of his last four matches that he's played against top 20 players. So all things considered, I think you'd be taking a big old risk if you're backing Kashan off at these odds. That's probably why his price has eased a little bit. My lean here would be either over the games or possibly set one to Bolt. I think those are the the sort of two angles that I'd be coming at this one from. Because Bolt's obviously had that match, several matches through qualities under his belt. He'll be, he'll be buzzing, as, as I said, with all the Australians coming through. So definitely we'll be back in Kashana for that price. Uh, over total games, minus 118 over 21. But you can move the little widget, the toggle, up 22 and a half games. You want to over is plus 115. 23 games you want to play is plus 140. So you can go up there. And if you want to bet uh, Bolt to win the first set, plus 190 is what you will get with Bet Rivers. Uh, and that is the tournament in uh, Zhuhai. That's the tournament in Zhuhai. The three matches there we have uh, gone through for you. Uh, we're going to move now across to in China, still standing in China. Chengdu is the tournament we have in uh, China. Two tournaments. It's two ATP Tour 250 events. Uh, Chengdu. Now, Sean, we gave the outright pick of Nishiokai, and you said to us, when we come back on Thursday, you may have you may have looked at a little bit of an angle. You like that bottom quarter, and you thought there may be some potential of a of a decent wager. I'm going to give you some outright prices now from Bet Rivers on Zhongdu. Uh, Alexander Zverev is still the market leader. He's 2-1. to one. Gregor Dimitrov is 6-1. to one. Dan Evans is 8-1. to one. Roman Safalin is also 8-1. to one. Lorenzo Massetti, 9. Jordan Thompson, 11. Kick at kick. Manovic, 16. Christopher O'Connell, 20. Zuzan Lejevic, uh, 22. And Artur Rindenik is 22-1. to one. Um, Any of those 10 players caught your fancy on the outright market? Well, I mentioned the other day that the only one I'd be I'd be interested in kind of tentatively was was Rindikinesh, who's 33 to 1, I think, at the start of the, the start of the tournament. Given that he's the outsider of the lot at 22, I think potentially that's the only value. It's not quite strong enough for me to to kind of press the button and make it an official play, but my my, my thoughts haven't really changed as far as that's concerned. I mean Rindikinesh was a little bit lucky, or quite lucky you might say, that that Rusevari, his first round opponent, had to pull out um sick. Uh, so that's that's a, a bonus for him, and and also a bonus potentially could be the fact that he now won't have to play public either, having public lost to gear on. So if he did take the thirty three to one, I think that's that's probably the decent value that that there was. Um, he's my only real kind of idea of this. I haven't got any other any other fancies. He's the only one that I'm really sort of looking at really. Arthur Rendenick is now 22 to 1. He was helped. Uh, his opponent was a decent opponent from round one who pulled out injured. Rusevari, yeah. Rusevari. So, yeah, he was mm. helped by the draw, and the draw may have opened up in that fourth quarter. He's currently 22 to 1 with Bet Rivers. So, no official pick uh, on the outright market in Zhengdu, but uh, that will be the lean Arthur Rendenick at 22 to 1. Whether you want to follow it or not, it's entirely up to you. Now, we do have three matches that we're going to talk about here. Uh, the first match we're going to talk about is Roman Safalin up against Dan Evans. Now, Dan Evans must be absolutely done in, exhausted. If you saw his heroics in the Davis Cup last week when he he came for, in, a, in a fiery match against Artur Fils in the singles, and then he went completely, uh, come back from four match points in the doubles. So how he, how he must be 
traveling back from from the UK across to uh, to China. There's a big ask for him here, but he's up against Roman Safalin, and he's the, uh, just the underdog here, even money. And probably the reason why is because of that exertions he had. They have met once before in 2019, a challenger event, which uh, Dan Evans won. Um, the market is pretty solid here. No one's really getting much attention. It's uh, some some money for Dan Evans, some money for Safalin. Not really, uh, no one's really won a pinning their uh, their mask to one particular player here um do you want to take an opinion this match Sean? yeah my well my lean would be would be safflin um if we look at the stats 2023 at main level away from clay service points one return points one totals dead level both on 101 slight advantage to safflin on the on the service hold and break totals 100 to 99 so one point advantage there for safflin safflin has shown his best form on quicker services throughout his career so, you know, the conditions I feel will be will be helpful for him here. And, you know, Dan Evans doesn't have a particularly great record on the Asian swing. He's three, four win loss. He's never got past round two in any of the four tournaments that he's played so far on the Asian swing. As you said, he had a, a, a demanding time at Davis Cup. Um, the head to head, they played once back in 2019 when both of them were much lower ranked. It was a very, very tight match. Ended in a final set tiebreak. That was at the Kimpere Challenger 2019. Safflin won more points in the match that day and lost. Um, he actually won 14% more second serve points that day. Safflin just didn't get over the line. They consider himself unlucky there, but you know, that was four years ago. Um, I feel like this is this is one that, that Safflin has a real good chance of winning. I'm not I'm just not massively wild about the price. Was it minus 111? Minus 124 now. Is it? Well, I'm definitely not wild about it on that then. Um, yeah, it, it's a lean for Safflin, but I wouldn't take him at minus minus 124, that's for sure. Um, plus money, I'd take him if he drifts out or or in play. Plus money would be certainly a a prop that I wouldn't mind for, for Safflin, but perhaps not at that price. I think the market's going to be anti-Evans, isn't it? Because of the exertions he went through last week, so the hope, the hope of it bouncing out, I think, is going to be quite slim here. Uh, if you want to look at the spread, it's minus one and a half. Saffling uh, giving up minus one and a half is plus one hundred four. Evans plus one and a half, one minus one thirty two, and the total is twenty two and a half. But Dan Evans must be absolutely spent; he must be exhausted. And Saffling, he did open up at minus one ten, now minus one twenty four. We do believe that he potentially he will win the match, but at minus one twenty four. We're keeping our money firmly in our pocket. Uh, the next match we're going to talk about is Zuzan Lajevic up against Jordan Thompson. Now, Lajevic obviously cost us last time out uh, in his win over... I've lost my mind's gone blank. Who was he? Who Bergs, he Zuzu Bergs, Bergs. Bergs. Zuzu Bergs, yeah. Um, long match, though. Long match for Lajevic. Um, we know he's not... He's come towards the end of his career. Um, he's slightly higher in the rankings than Jordan Thompson, but you wouldn't think so if you looked at the betting here. Jordan Thompson is a very heavy favourite bet. Rivers minus 210. Lajovic is plus 165. The spread is two and a half. Thompson giving up two and a half, minus 132. Lajovic plus two and a half, plus 102. And the total is 22 and a half. Um, amazingly, these two have never met before. When you consider how long they've been on the, 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 the circuit for, you would have thought that their pass would have crossed, but it hasn't. Um you would expect Jordan Thompson to win this, really, but you know we we speak about Lavich and the conditions maybe even a little bit. So it's, is, it, is it slow? We we didn't mention the conditions there, but I would I would expect Thompson's to win this. But um, minus two ten, I can't see any value in that. But before you answer that question, Sean, you might as well just give us a recap on the conditions here. 
Yeah, it's as I say, I'm waiting for the stats to come through, but from my own viewing of this tournament so far, the matches that I've seen so far, it looks it looks bouncier than it than it used to. It used to be quite low bouncing. The ball used to kind of skid through a bit. Um looks a lot bouncier than that now. Um the balls do fly at the five hundred meters of altitude. That's that's always been the same. Been a bit cloudy this week, so not perhaps not as quick as it was before. It it doesn't look quite as quick to me. That that may be because it's it's a bit humid, um, not much sunshine. That that could certainly be the case. Gonna continue to be cloudy tomorrow, uh, when these matches are played. A, a real feel of about twenty-three. And if you could compare that with the Zhuhai, thirty-eight, it's you know, it's relatively cool, isn't it? So conditions I don't I wouldn't describe them as really quick. It looks kind of medium to me. As I say, I'm waiting for the data to come through from round one matches, but it doesn't look doesn't look lightning quick. It's, I'd say just sort of medium with the balls flying a bit um, with the altitude. But um, just looking at this this match that we're talking about here, Jordan Thompson and Leibich, as I said earlier, we're unlucky with, with Bergs against Leibich with that injury that, that Bergs picked up. The betting was suspended, actually. I was watching this and um, the betting was suspended towards the end of that second set. But I think I think the layers were a bit worried that Leibich was going to retire because he really, he, he looked, you, you saw the match, didn't you? He looked like he was yeah. kind of, teetering on the edge of oh I, I don't really fancy this um and the the odds were suspended for quite some time and when um, they come back Bergs was heavy favorite yeah and and it, whatever injury picked up be it a wrist an arm injury I think Leibich was, was certainly fortunate um to get through that one Bergs I think he won one more point overall in the match Bergs won 85 percent of his of his first serve points so a little bit of a fortunate um victory for Leibich. I talked about Leibich's weak record at this stage of the season the other day. Uh, Thompson is a much more of a sort of regular visitor to this part of the world. He plays a lot of his tennis here in challenges just to kind of keep his ranking up. It's a tactic he's used throughout his career. He's played 82 matches here at all levels, Jordan Thompson, winning 66% of them, although most of them, the vast majority, were at challenges. In fact, only five um, of those matches have been played at main level, so it plays a lot of challenges here. So we'll be used to the conditions, although it's not it's certainly not hot enough to be a, a major problem. I took a look at the outdoor hardcourt main level stats of this pair, compared them since the start of 2022, because Leibich hasn't played that many matches in the past year, so I went back slightly further. Um, Thompson, not fabulous stats, 42% win rate, and a service points one, return points one total of 99. Leibich, as you would expect, not great either, 36% win rate, and his total is 96. So, you can see why Thompson's favourite. I think he's a bit too much of a favourite for me. I, I wouldn't be wildly keen on backing Jordan Thompson at that sort of price. I think he'll probably win it, but mm-hmm. um, I looked at another another sort of a set of uh, data, and um, when Thompson's been priced up between 1.4 and 1.59, which is minus 250 to minus 169 in that sort of price range, at main level, he's actually got a really good record. 27 wins and nine losses in that price range. He's won 11 of his last 13 in that price range. And he's he would have covered a three-and-a-half game handicap nine times in those 13 matches. So, surprisingly for me, he's been a, a very reliable favourite when he's been priced up in that range. So, given everything we know about Leibich and his, his lack of motivation and, and sort of lack of suitability to the quick courts this time of year, I, my lean in this one would be Thompson minus three-and-a-half games. I think you can get plus money on that, can't you? 
Uh, I'll find out for you. It, well, the line is is two and a half is minus 132. And if you use the little toggle, which I will do in one second, um, it's, not, it's the one I can't find. Four and a half, was, you can bet minus 188. It was two and a half minus earlier. 132. It will be plus money. It'll probably be about plus 110. So you, Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. That would Thompson, be, minus three and a half. Yeah, that would be my my sort of lean on that one. It, it does worry me. I never really like those sort of bets, but I know a lot of people do. Um, so Thompson minus three and a half in that one, if I was having a bet. Yeah, Thompson minus three. So we haven't got an official pick as yet. Hopefully we have one. We've got one coming. Yeah, don't worry. We've got well, the last match. You leave the best to last. And I can. I think I know where you're going to go here. Uh, we, the last <laughs> game we're going to talk about is Christopher O'Connell up against Taro Daniel. Obviously, Taro Daniel is obviously an Asian player playing in China again, going to get the big support. And we said on the podcast on Tuesday that the Asian players do really raise their game when they're playing in front of their home crowds. They have excellent records uh, in Asia. And uh, the tour doesn't go there a lot and hasn't been there in China since 2019. So motivation is huge for the Asian players. And Taro Daniel here is minus 105 against Christopher O'Connell at minus 118. Now, you might think this is a bet. The price sort of replicates that when you look at the the the, the ranking. Christopher O'Connell's 53 in the world and Taro Daniel's 95. But the record on hard court this year, Taro Daniel has a better hard court record. And when you look at the head-to-head, they played in 2023 in the French Open. And Tara Daniel absolutely obliterated O'Connell. Six love, six two, six four. I actually went to round two where Tara Daniel took a set of Carlos Alcaraz, the first set on the, on the Philip Chartres court on the, at the French Open. Um, I'm quite surprised that Tara Daniel is minus 105 here. Um, he's definitely a player that I would like to bet in this match. Um, I'm, I'm hoping... And I'm praying that you're 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 in agreement with me. You're hoping and praying. Yeah, your prayers have been answered. Um, yeah, I I, I like Taro Daniel. I was happy to take him on the other day. I thought he was short against Vukic. Um, as I said, Vukic couldn't keep his main level up for long enough. And if you can't do that against Taro Daniel, he will grind you down eventually. And that's kind of what happened to Vukic, unfortunately. Um, the match that you mentioned, it's 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 a difficult one to kind of have any bearing on really because O'Connell was was injured in that French Open match. He, for me, he, it's it's fairly clear that he just played on because he didn't want to risk his round one money by retiring because that the rule that's been in force for about five years now, if, if you do retire um, in that sort of round round one match, that there is a possibility that you can get some of your, your salary, your purse, whatever you want to call it, withheld. Um, so you, what, what you're seeing now, in the old days, you used to see players retiring after about one set because they knew they were going to get their money. Now what you're seeing is players that are going the full three sets, but with having absolutely no chance of winning. I mean, that, and that was the case with O'Connell. He was he was clearly injured. So it's, you know, the, the one nil isn't isn't overly relevant. But the, the outdoor hardcore stats, as you mentioned, they are relevant because in 2023 at main level on outdoor hard, Daniel has a 53% win rate and the service points won, return points won total of 99. O'Connell, 36% win rate and a total of 95. So some advantage there for Daniel. Going slightly further, service hold and break totals. Taro Daniel, 98. Um, O'Connell, 92. So an even bigger advantage there for Taro Daniel. He hasn't been brilliant on this Asian swing over the years. He's he's won five matches and lost nine. Um, only been past the second round twice. So I, I think with him, it's been a nervy thing. He has struggled a little bit with, with the nerves at this this part of the um, tour, but he's got that one match under his belt now. O'Connell's only played one match prior to this week on the Asian tour, which was a retirement 
in Seoul last year. So he certainly hasn't got any pedigree um, at this stage of the season. He, he certainly wasn't impressive in round one against the qualifier, Alibet Kachmazov, um, who didn't give himself any chance, really. Served at only 50%, hit six double faults, and he still had chances in both sets to Kachmazov. It wasn't it wasn't impressive at all from, from O'Connell, far from it. Um, so I think this is the other way around to the match that I was talking about the other day. I, I didn't fancy Daniel at, at the price he was. Now, I think he's, he's value. He's, he's also had an extra day to recover from that round one match. Um, O'Connell's got to play back-to-back days, whereas Daniel doesn't. And you would assume that, that Daniel is, is the more motivated. I, I took him at even money earlier on. I'm not sure what that line has moved slightly, but I think these, these odds are, again, slightly the wrong way around. Minus 105 currently. So not really much movement in there. I suppose O'Connell, O'Connell won a challenger in Shanghai uh, in the middle of last, uh, what was it, last week, 12th. Yeah, so he won, he won a, tour, a challenger event last week mm-hmm. uh, in Shanghai. That, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously got some form under his belt there, but the, the caliber opposition wasn't much at all in that tournament. So that might be the reason why he, he is that. But uh, I think Tyra Daniel at minus 105, even though if you took the even money, great, but the minus 105 still represents some value as far as I am concerned as well. So they are the bets. They are the tournaments over in China. We have Zhengdu and we have Zhuhai and just the one official pick, and it's Tyra Daniel. Um, so win his match against Christopher O'Connell at minus 105. We have leans for uh, Nishioka as well, another Asian player in uh, Zhuhai, but he's our pick as well at 20 to 1. So hopefully... You're on that already. You don't need to bet him again at plus 120. Uh, Sean, I've got a question for you before we go. Uh, for God, well, okay. our last video, I've got a question for you. Uh, it's from GTNAWAB123. So I don't know if you pronounce that. JUTNAWAB123. It says, I love your show. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Just two questions. How do you choose a handful of matches to wager, meaning the first and second round? So how do you go about choosing you know when you look at a grand slam you see 64 different matches how do you go about just picking two rather than picking 22 you're talking about grand slams or just any well, i think it's just asking generally we've spoken about three matches here we've spoken about sometimes we do the show we speak about two matches how do you what's your process of for, for eliminating the others i think it's a lot easier in these tournaments because we've only got four matches um in each tournament on friday so that's that's that that's easy um the hard part is is what you've sort of mentioned there about the Grand Slams. You've got 64 matches. Um, I think it's just, I just look at the, I just look at all the prices and then I make a note of, I just make an early sort of note of one that I'd like to explore further or two or three or four or five, however many it is, could be up to 10 that I'd like to explore further just based on my first feel of the prices. I'll just think, well, that, hang on, that doesn't seem quite right. Then I'll delve further into it and I might, I might dismiss that bet for any number of reasons, statistical or, or whatever. Maybe if it has a poor record against left-handers or what, something like that, I, that might dismiss it and I'll chalk that one off. And eventually I'll come down to about sort of four or five. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, I, th- I think also as well, you, you, you're always drawn to the matches that are around about 50-50, aren't you? Like 40-60 and thinking that I, I can bet a, a guy here at plus 110 who I should make minus 110. Yeah. You, you uh, know, you, you, sort of, you don't even look at the way. matches where they're minus... Two two thousand. You're not even interested in the ones where they're minus six six hundred, minus seven hundred. Yeah, those are kind of easy to dismiss unless you you really feel like, um, for example, Djokovic against Zapata Morales that was on quite recently. I really felt like Djokovic could cover a a big handicap against him, um, but that wouldn't be my ideal bet. I would generally find in the first round of a major something that I like a bit more. It's just a, it's just a feel. It's just a, an instinct that 
that price doesn't seem right. And then you look into it further and then you either decide to go with it or you don't. And it also is a second question for you. Also, why would you prefer a tie break in set one, a bet that we regularly give on here, versus in any other set in the match? It depends on, on the circumstances. It, it could be a, a player kind of coming back from injury, a little bit rusty, like we mentioned with the Struff situation. Um, it could be two players that have never met before. If they've never met before, both of them have got big serves. It generally takes a little while for a player to get a read on, on a bigger serve. So that's generally one reason why I would go for a set one tie break. The other reason is is that sometimes, like for example, a Vesely match against against um, Harris, first, first round, first tournament, first time these guys had seen this court and these conditions for four years. Um, and it, it, it proved to be the case, actually, didn't it? This is quite a good example, actually, because had Vesely not had that one bad service game, that probably would have gone to a first set tie. But by the second set, Vesely, who, God bless him, isn't isn't the fittest specimen in the world, he, he had enough, hadn't he, in that in that 37-degree real field? He was he, not having that. Um, so the second set, there's, there's that sort of fatigue element that you have to kind of take into account as well. So there's the, the kind of unfamiliarity with each other's game, which would lead to perhaps fewer break opportunities, uh, more holds, and the sort of fatigue element as well. As there's quite a few elements to, yeah. to think about with that. I think I think with the first set as well, statistically, there's more games in the first set than set two, especially in best of three sets matches, only marginal. And also there is that the the the, the player jacking it in mentality. Oh, I've lost. I've like Vesely, yeah, for like, that happens a lot. Yeah. So you know, you, you, if if you, you got the nice read on the first one, and that's why over total games are dangerous. Because you can get the tie yeah, exactly. break at seven, you can get the tie break at seven six in the first set, and the second set you can, you can, the guy could lose six one. So, as uh, did, yeah, uh, a good exactly. So, so it's it's one of those occasions as well. So hopefully that answers your questions. If you have any more questions for Sean or myself, uh, just feel free to to mention them at the bottom of the comments on this section. I'll read them out. Um, and we're back again tomorrow, so I'll read them out on tomorrow's show. Uh, it's a bit a bit strange this this uh, next month because of the Asian swing. So Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays we'll be coming to you uh, with our best bets uh, for the tournaments over in Asia. We're back in Europe uh, in a month's time. We're back to normal ways then. So a little bit strange now. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You can remember you can follow all the content uh, by downloading the podcast, Benny Weekly Game Bet Match on your preferred podcast provider. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Bet Riv- the Benny Weekly Studios. Obviously, the Bet Rivers Network, the Benny Weekly Studios, uh, where you can follow all the content not only on um the uh the tennis but also on the uh soccer as well the champions league is reaching its uh, conclu- start of tournament in a great week on the champions league the premier league is back this week so a lot of great content on there and also you can follow us on our socials on our joint handle uh on twitter and also on instagram at because we win you better follow the fantastic content on there uh so that's it uh that's it for today a thursday good luck with your bets sean Good luck to everyone for following. Um, And we'll be back again on Friday. Take care and we'll speak to you all then.